0: Coming up today, are explosive offenses worth a lesser defense? Why Utah's loss isn't the end for the Pac-12? Why Notre Dame is still alive, and the real reason why Clemson can pencil themselves into the playoff—it's not the reason you might think. Let's get into it. Hey, it was BYOG. Bring your own guts. Four and five, the national championship on the line. Got the big man. think Notre Dame, got him, my they won't catch him, I don't believe. Fires to the end zone, touchdown! He's going for the corner, he's got it! There goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis, it's caught, it's caught, it's caught! Oh, Was is that a good game or what? What's up everybody, Michael Kirkring here, Let's Talk College Football podcast, and I got a pretty good amount of things to get into today I want to talk about, so let's just jump right into it. Now the first thing, and I really was thinking about this during the Notre Dame-Georgia game, and also while watching Alabama and LSU in these um, first four weeks, is you see that Alabama and LSU have really changed the way they win football games and just the way they play football games over the past You know three to five years if you look at Georgia right now They're almost a spitting image of what Alabama was from about 2008 to about 2015 16 ish and that is they run the ball down your throat They're better than you They're more physical than you They're coached better than you, and they want it more. And they suffocate you with a defense that you pretty much can't move the ball on. If you have this big offense, they'll just coach it up, scheme it up, and use their better players to shut it down. And they don't put up a ton of points, but they have an offense that's more than capable. Now, Alabama recently, especially since Tua's been there, has kind of shifted to more of this air it out offense. And now, here we are in 2019, Alabama is almost purely just an offensive football team. Obviously, they have great players on the defense. There's still four- and five-star athletes all over the field. But there's no way you can say that their defense is what it used to be under Nick Saban, the type of thing we're used to seeing. Now, go to LSU. They obviously haven't been quite at Alabama's level the last, like, seven years and they needed to change their offense because their offense was too stagnant they couldn't beat teams with it especially after alabama really got rolling at the beginning of the decade but their defense has always been incredible either way they stopped the run they stopped the pass they're one of the many schools that claims to be dbu and they've got a great case for that but i'm wondering if the shift has been too much and the defenses are getting Overlooked, And that's why I'm really excited to see the matchups between LSU, Bama, and how Georgia plays into the mix with those two teams. Because what I'm wondering is, are these explosive offenses worth changing your style and losing your defensive name and brand that made you who you are? Alabama, as I was saying, doesn't look like their defense is up to an Alabama standard. Still a great defense, still tremendous athletes, great coaches but not quite up to that they don't look like they could shut down any offense they want to where in years past you would take them to shut down whoever I mean last year look what they did to Oklahoma and in years before that it didn't matter if your offense was high rolling Nick Saban was going to get you but their run defense looks pretty weak this year by their standard if you look at LSU they're giving up a lot of points on defense as well obviously not in their cupcake games but if you look at the texas game and we're not quite sure how good texas is yet and we do know that texas you know lost that game against lsu but they lost in a big 12 type of way it w- it wasn't quite a, cr- a crazy shootout where there was no defense like a but it wasn't like lsu's defense was really shutting the texas offense down and texas didn't capitalize twice on the goal line in that game early on so they left two touchdowns off the board by default of their own mistakes, and that game really showed me that, wow, that this shift that LSU made, while it's great to see the offense change, I'm sure fans are thrilled after watching such a stagnant, you know, Michigan-looking offense, that they're scoring points, Joe Burrow's awesome, the receivers are finally getting the touches they deserve, but their defense doesn't look like the old LSU. Again, the old LSU similar to Alabama where they would pretty much be able to shut down any type of offense that came into their place to play, especially if they had good enough time to prepare. So I'm wondering if LSU or Alabama is going to take the crown in the SEC this year or if Georgia can say, hey, we still play the style that's won this conference for two decades now, and if they'll prevail. It's very interesting because when you watch the georgia order Dame game, You kind of get the feeling that, wow, Alabama and LSU could really give Georgia problems because if they get up big two, three scores on them, Georgia can't come back the way they run their offense. But when I watch LSU play, I go, hmm, I think Georgia could hold their offense and it doesn't look like LSU's defense would be able to stop the run. When I look at Alabama's defense, I really don't think they'd be able to stop the run for four quarters. Especially when you consider that Georgia isn't just a run team. They choose to be that type of team with their scheme, but they obviously have a quarterback that's more than capable of making the types of throws that we see Tua and Joe Burrow making at LSU and Bama. So it's just really interesting to me, and I think it's going to be really interesting if Georgia does win the SEC this year and they beat LSU or Alabama in the process— Because then Alabama and LSU are going to stop the thing and go, wow, was that change worth it? No, I think in LSU's case, it's definitely worth it because they needed something different on offense. And I got no problem with you changing your offense. But what I'm wondering is why did this offensive change have to come with a slip in the defense? Is it one of those things where because they're scoring more often, the defense is on the field more, so the stats are kind of skewed? Is it something where... They've just put so much time into coaching the offense, and the defense actually is worse. I don't think we really have the answers to that. I will say, though, Alabama's defense does look worse than they have been in years past, especially against the run. Now, I don't think Georgia could win in a shootout with Alabama if the scores were going crazy high, but I don't think Georgia would have any trouble scoring 30 points on Bama. And I do think it would be hard for Alabama to score more than 35 points on Georgia. Now, all this could change, but this is just kind of how I see it right now. And it's just really interesting, as I said, because these offenses are explosive. But Oklahoma's shown you that if you have a crazy explosive offense and no defense, it really doesn't matter. You get boat raced in the playoff, you'll, you won't you will make it to the national title. Georgia was able to beat Oklahoma in their own style of game in the Rose Bowl a couple years ago. And Oklahoma wasn't able to beat Alabama last year. And Alabama scored like the first 28 points, I think, in that game before Oklahoma finally started to do some things and kind of made it interesting. But the game was really never in doubt. And that was last year's Orange Bowl playoff. And then it's another one of those things like LSU. Okay, LSU's finally changed their offense. But it's not like they did it back when Alabama was doing what they used to do. Alabama's offense has changed too. So cool, LSU, you changed your offense, but Alabama's is a little better than yours. Their quarterback's a little better than your quarterback. Their receivers are slightly better than yours. And it looks like LSU's defense is playing a little better, but I still trust the coaching at Alabama. So cool, LSU, you fixed your offense, but what you you still might lose to Bama. What if you lose instead of losing to Bama the way you've been losing, you lose 42 to 35? That doesn't fix anything. You're trying to beat Alabama, overcome that hump and go from a 10-win type of team to a national championship contender. And I don't know if they've done that just because they changed their offense. They might have more fun going 10-2, 11-1, and not beating Bama, but at the end of the day, if you go 10-2, 11-1, and you don't beat Bama, literally nothing on paper is different. So I'm way more interested to see LSU or Alabama play Georgia, because let's say that they score a ton of points on Georgia and Georgia just can't handle it, that's going to be proof that, hey, it is worth having this explosive offense, even if it means your defense has some shortcomings. But if Georgia is able to take it to them and win, then that shows you that, hey, at the end of the day, you want to win the SEC. You still have to do it with defense. And you need good offensive players, but it's better to rely on a strong run, run game with amazing offensive linemen And a quarterback who's more of a game manager still can make amazing throws and is more than capable. That being said, I do think Georgia needs to let Jake Fromm loose a little bit more, especially after that Notre Dame game. Georgia really could have taken control of that game if they would have put the throttle down. And they were trying to, but they were doing it only with the run, and the run was going really well. But if they could throw some better play-action passes in that mix, I think they could have won that game by two touchdowns and covered the spread. Instead, obviously, Notre Dame had a chance down there to win the game, being down only six and having the ball in Georgia territory with under a minute left. And they weren't able to capitalize because Georgia's defense is very well. But it's also because Notre Dame just lacks that one or two real game-breaking explosive players. Notre Dame's like the epitome of like a team loaded with four stars, but doesn't have that one five star that might make the difference. They don't have that Will Fuller right now. If they had a guy like Will Fuller on the team, I I would say this Notre Dame team is playoff bound for sure and probably would have beaten Georgia. They have good guys that can go downfield and make plays, and Ian Book is a good quarterback usually in crunch time, but they're just not quite up to the talent level that they need to be, I think, to beat the Clemsons, the Bamas, the Georgias. Now, I will say, though, and I'll segue into my next thing here, I think Notre Dame is still alive for the playoff. Especially if you're an SEC fan, you have to think that, otherwise you're hypocritical. If you're one of these people out there saying, if LSU only loses one game to Bama or there could be two SEC teams in the playoff, if you're one of those people, and I'm not actually really typically one of those people as I've talked about many times, but if you are one of those people, I think you have to accept that Notre Dame is still alive because if LSU can go 11-1 and and only lose to Bama and make the playoff, and there's a lot of people that think that would happen. I'm not one of them, but a lot of people think that that would happen. Or that if uh, Georgia and Bama meet undefeated in the SEC title game, that they're both going to get in the playoff regardless of that outcome. If you're one of those people that believes that scenario is possible, then you have to believe that an 11 and 1 Notre Dame team would be just as alive as that LSU team going 11 and 1, or that Georgia team that goes 12 and 1 but doesn't win the SEC title, or Bama if they were in that same scenario. Because Notre Dame's loss is a very good loss. They lost at Georgia. In one of the craziest, most hardcore atmospheres there was, and they, for the most part, played a pretty good game, they lost by six points, and they had a chance to win at the end. People are going to remember that, and if they run the table, they play Virginia next. Virginia is a ranked team, obviously nowhere near the caliber of Georgia, but if they win that game, they beat USC, they beat Michigan, yeah, I know Michigan looks like their ass now, but... Notre Dame's schedule is better than Bama's. I've talked about that before. I know some people disagree because Alabama might, ha- might have one or two bigger, you know, top five matchups, but through the course of the season, Notre Dame just plays a harder schedule, especially as I've talked about before, given the fact that they play five teams down the stretch that have a bye week to prepare for Notre Dame, which is, it's very hard when a team has a bye week to prepare for you and you don't have a bye week to prepare for them. And that's going to happen in Notre Dame five times. Honestly, I think Notre Dame will lose another game. But if they don't, that obviously doesn't mean they're guaranteed a spot in the playoff going 11-1. But an 11-1 team will have a chance to possibly make the playoff. But let's not get carried away with that, obviously. Because as I've said before, and I hate to harp on it again, but for those of you that haven't heard maybe me do another podcast, my whole thing is, look, one of those 11-1 teams the only way they get in the playoff is if you don't have one-loss conference champions ahead of them. So if LSU or Notre Dame or Bama or Georgia, whoever, if you're a one-loss team that didn't win your conference championship, the only way you get in is if there isn't four other one-loss conference champions. And it doesn't matter what conference that team comes from. It doesn't matter if that's Utah or clemson whoever a one loss pac-12 champion will get in the playoff over a one loss lsu who didn't win the conference a one loss georgia who lost in the sec championship game at the end of the year that will happen i'm so confident that that would be the scenario that i just i don't know what to tell you guys i don't know why people don't accept that my main theory for that is is history that's just what the playoff committee's done if you look at the year and i think it was yeah 2016 when ohio state made the playoff as an 11-1 and non-division non-conference champion it was because the other team fighting for that fourth spot was a two loss conference champion who actually beat ohio state it was penn state and then the Pac-12 champion also had two losses that year. So when you went to the win-loss records, they kept Ohio State above those two-loss conference champions. But all the other conference champions with one loss or less got in that year. Okay, Alabama was undefeated. Clemson had lost to Pitt. But they were the ACC champion with one loss, and their Clemson. They got in. And actually, I apologize. The other team that also got in with them was Washington, who had one loss but was a Pac-12 champion. A one-loss Pac-12 champion got in the playoff that year. I think it was actually the Big 12 that had uh, two losses. Yes, Oklahoma had lost two games that year, but I believe they still won the Big 12, but they didn't get in the playoff because of those losses. So Notre Dame has just as much of a chance as a one-loss LSU team would, a one-loss Georgia would you could almost argue they have a better chance because let's say it did come down to 11-1 and Notre Dame and 11-1 and LSU. Let's say for some reason uh, some of the conferences have two losses and it shapes out to that. You've got three spots locked up by either undefeated or one-loss conference champions, and it does come down to 11-1 and Notre Dame, 11-1 and LSU. I really think they'll probably go Notre Dame because if there's already an SEC team in, And the options are another SEC team or Notre Dame. And it obviously depends on how those teams have looked. But I think they would go with Notre Dame. Now, part of that's unfair because the Notre Dame brand and and what that would do for ratings and stuff. But a lot of it isn't unfair. It's just reality. Like, if I have to take two SEC teams or Notre Dame, I think that's a fair tiebreaker to go, well, sorry, LSU, there's already an SEC team in. You could have won your conference. You didn't. And if we're going to pick one of these one-loss teams, we're going to go with Notre Dame. Now, I guess they could go the other way and say, hey, every time Notre Dame gets in the playoff or plays in a big game, they, they lose, so we're going to give LSU the benefit of the doubt because Notre Dame is, I think, 1-9 in nine or something versus top 10 opponents this decade or something like that. Their only win being at Oklahoma in 2012, and that was a two, maybe three-loss Oklahoma team. Respectable, but nothing great. Definitely didn't finish the year as a top 10 team. And that's also why I think Clemson has already penciled themselves into the playoffs, given something insane happening. Now, what I just said, you hear people say on ESPN all the time, or whatever podcast you listen to, you hear this over and over, Clemson can pencil themselves in. I don't see anything on their schedule that threatens them. Well, that's not even why I think they can pencil themselves in. I think they can pencil themselves in because they can lose if they want to. Clemson can totally afford to lose and still make the playoff because if they're a 12 and 1 ACC champion, they're getting in the playoff unless there's four other conference champions with one loss that we think are better than them and that scenario is very very unlikely. I don't see that happening. Let's say Clemson drops a game. Let's even if it's this weekend in North Carolina or maybe florida state which would be amazing for me obviously but that probably won't happen but let's say they lose a game even if it's at home but then they look really great after that the offense looks even more explosive the defense steps up and they get to the conference championship game they play a middling ranked team and they win and they're 12 and 1 acc champions they're gonna be in the playoff as a two or three seed that would happen i don't people aren't talking about that and i don't know why So in my opinion, that's why Clemson can pencil themselves into the playoff, because most likely they're going undefeated. And even if they were to lose a game, as long as that game wasn't at the end, the conference championship game or something, they're going to the playoff. So yes, it is true to say Clemson can pencil themselves into the playoff, but it's not true to say that that's, oh, because they're not going to lose a game. It's because they can lose a game and still would probably walk right into the playoff that that's what they did in 2016 they lost to Pitt at home Pitt was decent then but probably just as good as they were last year when they won the division and clemson boat raced them in the acc championship last year so and clemson is also earned the fact that hey we're clemson now we've won two national titles we have trevor lawrence we have Brent Venables. You know if you put us in the playoff, we're going to compete with anybody and probably win. So yeah, a 12-1 Clemson team is getting in the playoff. Just like a one-loss Pac-12 team, let me segue to that now, would probably make the playoff. I keep hearing that the Utah loss was devastating for the Pac-12, and it, it does hurt a little bit. You want Utah to be maybe you know going undefeated or something, but... As I said before, the Pac-12 has already established that they're not as weak as they've been. They look stronger than they've been the last three years. Obviously, that Washington State game was a bummer, and to me, that was way more devastating for the Pac-12 than the Utah loss. Utah lost to a athletic, good USC team on the road. Yeah, USC had their third-string quarterback, but in this aerial offense, all these quarterbacks are going to be putting up yards. So Utah lost that game. But Utah could easily rally, win the rest of their games, and they probably would go to the playoff if that happened. I've already said, if Oregon goes 12-1 and as a Pac-12 champion, losing their very first game to Auburn, who we now realize is good, I was wrong about Auburn. I thought Auburn was a four-loss team. I think they might only be a two-loss team now. And that's only because of their schedule. If they didn't have the crazy schedule they have, they're probably a one-loss team or possibly undefeated team. But they got to play Florida. They got to play LSU and Alabama and Georgia so the idea that they're not going to lose at least two of those games is kind of hard for me to believe but if they didn't obviously they would walk right into the playoff but that's just the fact of their schedule back to the pac 12 though this pac 12 schedule of teams yeah washington state is out because that loss was just insane and you can tell that they don't play defense and they're definitely going to lose some more games but washington's alive USC is still alive because they don't even have a conference loss yet. They lost in overtime to BYU with the back of quarterback. Now they've beaten Utah. They have the chance to beat Oregon. They have the chance to beat Washington, Notre Dame. Realistically, they're probably going to lose a couple more games. But even if USC goes 9-3 and three this year, given the injuries they've had so far, that would be impressive, and Clay Helton would totally keep his job. But if USC wins a lot of these games, if they go beat Washington this week, if they go beat Notre Dame... And then they beat oregon later a one loss usc team is definitely making the playoff no questions asked a one loss usc team probably gets in over a one loss big 12 team if it came down to it maybe even big 10 people are hungry to see that brand back in national prominence again so that would definitely happen now obviously if, if usc does that then Notre Dame's out because i mean they lose but there's going to be some really exciting things happening in college football the rest of the season. And the Pac-12 is miles above the ACC right now, I think. And again, the Pac-12 could get no team in the playoff, and in my opinion, still be better. For example, let's say Clemson goes undefeated, makes the playoff. And let's say no one in the Pac-12 goes undefeated, and they don't get a team in the playoff, but they have like four ten and two teams. What if Washington, USC, Utah, Cal, all finish like ten and two? Washington State finishes nine and three. Arizona State maybe finishes eight and four. Colorado's decent. Then, in my opinion, that would mean they're miles above the ACC. Everybody puts way too much focus on if you got a team in the playoff or not. And I know for money reasons and like TV deals, that is important, but that's just not how I've ever judged conferences. I don't care if you get a team in the playoff. I care about how many good teams you have overall, and I care more about how many just crappy bad teams you have. I've always judged the Pac-12 not based on what's going on at the top, but the fact that usually they have like seven teams that are just absolute garbage that don't make bowl games. And the SEC has always been the opposite, where sometimes even their bottom teams are 6-6 and and going to bowl games and beating teams from other conferences, right? That's what I make the judgments on. I don't care how many teams you have competing for the playoffs. The SEC isn't better to me than it was four years ago because they have three potential playoff teams right now. The bottom of the SEC is finally catching up to other conferences. It's not very good, okay? The, The bottom of the SEC is looking like garbage right now. So let's not get carried away with these opinions about which conference is better. Like I've said before, I think conference supremacy is stupid anyway and doesn't really matter, right? Your team either wins or they don't. If Florida State, that's my team, if they uh, win the national championship, I don't care how good the ACC is. If they're losing like they are right now, but the ACC was great, I wouldn't care about that either necessarily. Because everybody's made it a big deal, starting with SEC fans, yeah, now people kind of root for their conferences to give their team more credit. But if you're rooting for your conference outside of that reason, there's really no point. And you should really ask yourself what the heck you're doing, right? Like, it just doesn't matter, you know? But I can't repeat this enough, you know? The Pac-12 is not out of it. Notre Dame is not out of it. And Clemson has penciled themselves in because they could lose a game and probably still get in as the one or two seed even potentially depending on what else happens in the rest of the country. Okay, that's just the way it is. Now, think back to 2014 Florida State. That team probably couldn't have afforded a loss but that's because the two other teams that would have then tried to take their spot were one-loss Big 12 champions. That was before the Big 12 had a conference title game, and Oak and sorry, and Baylor and TCU were both eleven and one and looked really good. But Florida State was undefeated. The way that year went down, if you remember, Alabama got the one seed because they looked like a dominant SEC team that had a good loss. So they were twelve and one SEC champs. We gave them the one seed. Oregon was a twelve and one Pac twelve champ. They had some good wins. They avenged their only loss to Arizona by crushing them in the pac-12 title game they got the two seed then florida state got the three seed because they were undefeated defending national champions that went undefeated even though they looked ugly doing it throughout most of the year they were undefeated an undefeated power five team is never going to get left out of the playoff like i said unless there's five of them and you can only take four which has never happened but an undefeated power five conference champion is getting in the playoff no matter what so florida state got the three seed And then the four seed came down to Ohio State, TCU, and Baylor. And they gave it to Ohio State because on the last week of the regular season, or regular season slash conference title Saturday, Ohio State boat raced a ranked Wisconsin team in the Big Ten championship game and looked incredible, even though they were down to their third string quarterback. While TCU and Baylor both played cupcakes, won handily, but there was no Big 12 champion and they gave the nod to Ohio State that year, leaving TCU and Baylor both out. Now, if Florida State lost that year, there's a pretty good chance they would have gone with either TCU or Baylor over Florida State, especially if that loss would have came late for Florida State. So look to this year, use the past To determine what's going to happen this year, obviously the ACC is pretty much garbage. But Clemson did go play a non-conference game against an SEC opponent in Texas A&M. They won that game pretty well. Yes, Texas A&M has two losses now, but I bet you Texas A&M is going to get somebody before the year is over. Between Bama, LSU, and Georgia, I bet you Jimbo gets one of those teams. They might be a four-loss team, but given their schedule, an 8-4 and four would be pretty respectable for a and especially considering this is only Jimbo's second year. He doesn't have all his recruits in yet. He's still rebuilding. So just keep in mind when you hear people on TV, on podcasts, saying Clemson has penciled themselves in the playoff, know that that is true, but know the reason why. The reason why is because they could lose a game and get in. And I actually think Clemson will drop a game this year. It's just like them, you know. They usually do drop one of these regular season games, And they just don't feel threatened by anybody, so it's going to be hard for them to get up. And if some team comes in there with kind of a hot hand, they could beat Clemson in a weird regular season game. And then guess what? All Clemson's going to do after that is play unbelievable and pass the eye test with an A++, win the ACC at one loss, and then they're in the playoff. And they would get in over an 11-1 LSU team, they would probably get in over a 12-1 Georgia team that lost the SEC championship or a 12-1 Alabama that lost the SEC championship. I'm really confident about that. And like I've said, until I see the committee actually say, well, you're a conference champion and you have the same record as this team that didn't win their conference champion, but we just think this team is way better than you and we're putting them in the playoff over you, until I actually see that, I'm not even going to pretend that's a possible scenario because I really don't think it is. Okay, let me get into my last thing here, and it's kind of about attendance again. Last week I talked about attendance and how I think scheduling would fix that overall, but not all attendance problems are created equal. I'm going to talk specifically about Florida State and Tallahassee here for a second. Now, obviously, you know I'm a big Knowles fan, so I cater a little bit to them more than any other team when it comes to covering and like what I talk about here. And on Twitter, I'm mostly seeing Florida State fans and those types of people and the issues that they're complaining about. And obviously, if you guys were paying attention this week, one of the stories from the Florida State game, other than the fact that they almost blew another 21-point lead and lost, was the fact that the stands were almost empty. I think almost like 45,000 people showed up. It was like the lowest attendance FSU game since like 1983 or something like that. Pretty pathetic. Pretty embarrassing. Obviously, most of that is due to the team not being good, but I think the bigger issue when it comes to attendance in Tallahassee is a Tallahassee issue. One thing that these Florida State fans don't seem to be remembering is that we've never had great attendance. Even if you go back to Jimbo's early years in 2010, 11, 12, and even early 2013, you would always see... Empty, empty seats up in like the higher decks of Dote Campbell. Unless we were playing a ranked Clemson at home or it was the Miami or Florida game, you always saw empty seats up there. It wasn't until I think in 2013, Florida State played Maryland, who was ranked 25th. Florida State was undefeated. Maryland came in ranked 25th, obviously overranked, and it was the biggest, most lopsided victory over a ranked team in college football history. I think Florida State put like 60 points on them just throttled them. Then a couple weeks after that, Florida State goes to Clemson, and that's when they boat race Clemson, and that's when you finally realized, oh, Florida State is legit. They could go to the national championship this year. The next week, they had a home game against NC State, and that was the first time I can remember seeing with my eyes in the more modern era, you know, from like like post-2008, that Florida State had sold out a home game in the middle of the day against an inferior opponent again i'm not talking about 2011 oklahoma where it was obviously sold out i'm not talking about 2012 clemson or 2012 florida right or the miami games where obviously those games were pretty much all sold out but when florida state would play murray state at the beginning of 2011 or 12 there would be a lot of empty seats up in the upper decks When Florida State would play Boston College at home in 2012, 11, those years, you'd see empty seats. It wasn't until we were about to be a national championship contender did you finally see sellouts for regular season home games against inferior opponents like the NC State that year, like Clemson, or sorry, like Syracuse that year. Right? Those games all of a sudden started getting sold out. And then we won the national championship. So then coming into the next year being defending champions, yeah, you saw a lot more sellouts for inferior opponents. I remember as a student going to the Citadel game in 2014. And even that game, you had a hard time finding a bunch of empty, empty seats, even though it was the Citadel. And if you're a Florida State fan, you should know why these problems exist. But if you're not a Florida State fan, let me fill you in. This is a Tallahassee problem. Tallahassee is located up in the Panhandle. It's about 2 hours away from the nearest big city, that would be Jacksonville. Jacksonville's 2 hours east of Tallahassee, and pretty much all the other big cities in Florida are at least 4 to 5 hours away. I live down in Sarasota and it's a 5 hour drive up to Tallahassee for a football game. So that's one reason, right? And the airport in Tallahassee is terrible. I think it's finally an international airport, someone told me, but last I checked, it was a regional airport, and it's pretty expensive to fly into. When I was a student at Florida State, there were several times where I just flew into Jacksonville and took a shuttle, or had a buddy come pick me up, paid him extra gas money to get back to Tallahassee, because that was still significantly cheaper. I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars cheaper than trying to actually fly into Tallahassee from, I was out and would go out back to Oregon, and... It was just usually cheaper to fly into Jacksonville and deal with the drive or the shuttle or even renting a car a lot of times would be cheaper than if you actually flew back into Tallahassee. Round-trip tickets to from Oregon to Tallahassee would be like $800, $900, while these round-trip tickets to Jacksonville or Tampa would be like $300 or something, right? And obviously, if you're coming from Atlanta to Tallahassee, it's not going to be you know $800 if you're coming from Tampa, but still... A lot of big airlines don't go into Tallahassee. It's just it's a crappy airport, and that needs to be improved. Now, another reason why the attendance issues are sometimes a pain at Florida State is because the hotels in Tallahassee, and this might happen in all the college towns, I'm not sure. If you're a fan from Athens, Georgia, or Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or Tuscaloosa, maybe you can weigh in on this. Email me, mkirkering3 at gmail.com. But let me know if this is true in your town, but in Tallahassee, The weekends of game days, the hotel prices get outrageous. We're talking $75 rooms jumping to $500, $600. Some hotels charge $800 a night in Tallahassee. And that's just not worth it, guys. No one wants to do that. You're going to go spend a weekend in Tallahassee where you got to buy tickets to the game. Okay, there's a couple hundred bucks unless it's right now and Florida State sucks and you're getting aftermarket prices. But typically, if you have good seats at a football game, you're probably spending anywhere from 70 to 100 bucks on the tickets. Then if you want to stay two nights at one of those hotels, not to mention if you come to Tally for a game weekend, you're going to be buying your alcohol. You're going to be having food, right? You might be stopping by the bookstore. For one person, this is over $1,000. Imagine taking your wife and kids to a game in Tallahassee for a weekend. You're going to spend almost two grand when you add up all the meals for your kids and wife and the, the hotel for two nights, all the game tickets, you know, the gas money if you're driving, the airfare if you're flying in. No one, $2,000 is not worth any football game. I wouldn't go to the national championship for that. Okay, I, I can go to Bali for a month for that. Okay? I can fly to Bali for $1,000 or less, and I can stay there for three weeks with $1,000 cash because it's so cheap. I'd rather live like a king, go to beaches, drive a moped around to some waterfalls, and stay in a private villa for a month than go to Tallahassee for a weekend to watch Florida State. So now you're wondering why Florida State can't get people in the stands when they're this bad. I'll give you an example using just myself. Last week, for the Florida State-Louisville game, there was no way I was going to go up to Tallahassee for that game. I'm not driving five hours to Tallahassee to watch a mediocre Florida State, State team play when there were so many other good games on TV. I'd re- Even if I lived in Tallahassee, I might not have gone to that game last week because I'm a bigger college football fan than I am a Florida State fan, and I think a lot of fans of their teams are bigger fans of the sport itself. And you think I was going to miss... That 3:30 slot last week. You think I was gonna miss Texas A&M, Auburn, Washington, BYU, UCF, Pitt, and then the Nightcaps, Texas, Oklahoma State, Georgia, Notre Dame. There was no way I was gonna miss that Georgia Notre Dame game. Obviously, they were at they were at different times, so you could have gone to the Florida State game and caught that game. But no, I wasn't gonna drive up to Tallahassee, possibly watch my team give up another 21 point lead because they suck right now, and pay for everything. No, I I just wasn't going to do that. I am going to the game this weekend, and there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, there's no other great games on TV next weekend, so I would love to go see my team play in a night game. Number two, my car gets great gas mileage, so... I'll take my Civic up to Tallahassee and not spend a fortune on gas. Number three is I found like a $30 Airbnb private room I'm staying in. So I'm not paying hardly anything on lodging. I'll go have some good food. I'll watch my Noles play a night game. It'll be fun. But I don't have to spend a bunch of money. Guys, let me give you the budget right now. I have it in my phone of how much money I spent on the Virginia trip to Charlottesville I made for that game a couple weeks ago. Let's see. I'm in my phone right now. Virginia's football trip expenses. Okay, the total cost that me and my fiance both spent. So this includes both of our game tickets, both of our plane tickets, all of our meals, our Ubers, everything. We spent just about a thousand dollars on the entire between two people. So you're looking at about five hundred bucks a person to go to Charlottesville, okay, an away game, as opposed to what I say earlier. If you're not, you know clutch with airbnbs or anything like that you're looking at over a thousand bucks a person to go to a game and tally that's just not worth it no one's going to do that and i'm starting to wonder if that this type of scenario is contributing to the attendance issues at other schools on top of the issues i talked about last week so like i said email me tweet at me uh twitter is michael underscore k87 let me know if if you're from you know your college town, if that's an issue that you guys face too, because I I know that's one of the problems at Florida State, on top of the fact that the team's not very good right now. But like I've said, even when Florida State's had good seasons, 10-win seasons and over, you still always saw empty seats in Doak Campbell because Tallahassee's a bitch to get to. So that's just some cool insight I wanted to give you guys on Tallahassee because I'm wondering if that's what's going on in other programs. Attendance issues continue to be something everyone's talking about. So we'll see where it goes from there. I've already talked about my solutions for that last week. If you want to go catch up on that, I talked about scheduling issues that I think would fix that for the most part, giving people better home games instead of these FCF games and stuff. But also it's issues like this, right? No one wants to go to Tallahassee when it's $500 a night to stay in a hotel, especially when the team's bad. And you don't see the hotels in Tallahassee adjusting to the supply and demand. Nope, they're still ripping everybody off so until that changes people just aren't going to go there's too many other good games on tv to watch most of the time and florida state's not very good right now and worth watching and tallahassee super far not worth the drive when the product on the field isn't good i love my Knowles more than anybody I, I don't think there's a bigger diehard Knowles fan than me i'm sure a lot of people feel that way about themselves but that's how i feel but i still have a level-headed brain and i'm not just going to go watch my team play and spend a fortune i'm only 25 i'm not made of money you know, me and my fiance are still starting our careers off. So I get it. If you're loaded, you know, you can get on a private jet and go, yeah, sure. Go, go drop all that money on a weekend in tally to watch a crappy team. But I just can't do that right now. And a lot of people can't do that right now. So anyway, there's a spiel on that. I've talked about all the things I want to talk about right now and I'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.